behavior is a choice. Behavior is, is how we choose to act. And if, if we desire, we can choose to adapt and behave differently. Welcome back to the Impact Entrepreneur Show, where we have conversations with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, athletes, best-selling authors who are using their impact moment to have a game-changing impact in the lives of others. Each week, our guest is part of a series such as mindset, leadership, purpose, and in this case, belief. Belief is a powerful thing. Think about it for a moment. Sow a thought, reap an act. That is part of a quote from one of my favorite quotes by Charles Reed. Sow a thought, reap an act. That little space between the thought and the act is a critical time and worth pausing to consider. Essentially, the only thing preventing you from taking action in some way, shape, or form is whether you believe that you are capable of doing it. Not whether you will be successful doing it, but simply whether you believe you are capable. Over the course of the next few weeks, we will take time learning from some of the best minds in this area, and I am excited and I hope you are too. Now enough from me, let's hear about our guests. One of the quickest ways to accelerate achievement and progress in your own personal development is to understand how you were manufactured. We talked about this with Mike Dillard back in January, who experienced massive breakthroughs in his life, career, and bank account and relationships when he discovered how his brain was wired, how he was manufactured, and how he could leverage those skills and abilities and build a business around that. We touched again on this idea back in episode 77 with Dr. Colby Jubinville as he discussed his experience with the Harrison assessment. I am a huge fan of using assessments as tools to help us identify what some of our unique skills and abilities are. Today, we are going to dive deeper into the power of self-awareness and Harrison assessments and specifically break down an assessment that I took with Julie Shore, a diehard entrepreneur and managing partner of Harrison Assessments and a founder of Peak Focus, a business coaching and consulting company. So bust out your pens and paper, take some notes. This is an interesting one because it gives you a little bit of an insight into me, into my mind, into some of my strengths and some of my weaknesses. I would love to hear your feedback. So hit me up at info at theimpactentrepreneur.net and let me know what you think. Julie Schur, welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. Very excited to have you and to kind of follow up to some of the things that a previous guest, Colby Jubinville, Dr. Colby Jubinville, talked about on an episode a few weeks back about the Harrison assessment. And we're, we're really excited to have you on the show to dive into that. And uh, so welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely. I am so fascinated by skill development. And the reason I think that this is a perfect way to conclude the series on developing belief is because one of the quickest ways to accelerate achievement and and progress in our own personal development is to understand how we are manufactured, to understand our strengths, obviously, and double down on those, but understand also where we could become so strong that that could flip into something that might actually cause us to be held back or to limit 
our achievement or progress. I, I think that this is going to be a really helpful uh, interview today and conversation, and it's going to really shape people's understanding of how they should approach understanding how they're manufactured and wired and the ways that they can assess that. So welcome again to the show. Thank you. Thank you. And you're absolutely correct. I mean, self-awareness is absolutely a key to personal and professional growth. And uh, the Harrison Assessments helps us do that, become self-aware. Before we dive into the, health, the, the Harrison Assessment itself and the theories behind it, I want to know a little bit more about who you are, what your makeup is, how you discovered the Harrison Report, and why you're so curious about human behavior in the first place. Sure, I'll be happy to. I'm actually, Mike, I'm a diehard, diehard entrepreneur at heart. Um, I've owned multiple companies over the years. I've certainly had my experience of success and failure, always learning valuable lessons along the way. And my first experience with Harrison Assessments was probably about 15 years ago. And I was a shareholder in a startup company that was experiencing major internal conflict with management. And my father had used the Harrison assessment in, in a company of his prior to retiring. And so he suggested that we bring in a Harrison expert to help us internally resolve this conflict. And while it was an extremely painful experience for everybody that was involved, the Harrison assessment helped us to resolve this conflict. And so at that point, I was just sold on Harrison. It was, it was an amazing tool. Um, you know, it not only helped us all understand ourselves, it helped, helped the team understand how our behavior impacted ourselves and how it impacted others. Um, and at the end of that experience, I actually ended up walking away from the startup um, company and I pulled my father out of retirement and we started a business coaching and consulting company together and we became managing partners of Harrison Assessments so that we could help others. That's awesome. Prior to the the turmoil going on in the startup, did you have a general sense about why people behave the way they did? I mean, for example, if you could if you could go back to the startup environment without naming names and now with your understanding and knowledge and experience using the the Harrison assessment, can you go back and, and really dial into exactly what the challenge, what the problem was? Oh, absolutely. And I think that um, if, if I had been more self-aware of myself and the people that I was working with were more self-aware of themselves and we understood exactly how our behavior impacted others, and if we understood our behavior enough to be able to know that behavior is a choice, Behavior is, is how we choose to act. And if, if we desire, we can choose to adapt and behave differently. And so, especially in working in a team environment or in any environment, um, being able to have those choices is, is crucial. Um, and so it just, I really got sold on understanding people's behavior and, and, and how it impacts other people. And that's what, you know, we have a tendency to, to look away from. Um, it's not personality. Um, personality is, is, is something that typically doesn't change. And every individual is considered unique. And so because personality doesn't change, behaviors can change, but you have to be aware of them. Hmm. What was the, the behavior that was causing the most friction or preventing you guys from achieving your goals at that corporation, that startup? Um, I think it was really team conflict. It was not everybody had the same vision. Um, you had a lot of people, you know, in startup companies that are hard headed um, and don't want to move. And I think that in, you know, typically in a startup company, you'll have, you know, a CEO or something that's not willing to step aside when it is, in fact, the best thing for the company. Mm, I love that. I love that. You know, it's, it's incredible advice, humility and self-awareness and 
definitely I can relate to being stubborn. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, <laughs> that a little bit more in a, in, in a moment. How did you meet Col- Dr. Jubinville? I actually met Dr. Jubinville at a conference, um, I guess about three years ago, and he was speaking uh, on, on his topics and we were there. Um, my father was speaking on, on Harrison assessments and at lunch we just connected. He started talking to me about this personal branding book that he was, he was writing for students and he wanted to know about the assessment and could it help students. And in fact, we actually uh, are working with Colby at Middle Tennessee State University with his um, his Center for Success for Students. Uh, currently, they're currently using the Harrison assessments and Colby and I have, have really worked on building a program that we can take to schools across the country um, to be able to help these students become gainfully employed in their chosen career path. And so we're starting that self-awareness journey earlier um, than we have. And because I've spent most of my time in the corporate world understanding what employers want, I now feel like I can come full circle by helping students with Colby, helping students become self-aware of who they are and make sure that there's a good match. And so the whole cycle for me, my passion behind working with him now is, is that we can come full circle of making sure that students are a good fit for an employer and making sure that um, that candidates are good fits for, you know, for the and, and that it's a, a good fit for both of them. Awesome. I want to dive into the Harrison assessment now because I, I want to get people excited to to get into the mind of Mike Flynn and and learn a little bit about how I'm wired and what some of my strengths are, what some of my pitfalls are and how they can either uh, propel me or prevent me from achieving the, the success and the outcomes that I want. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about what the Harrison assessment is, how it's different, what the what the science is behind it. Okay, absolutely. Uh, well, Harrison assessments itself it provides us with an opportunity to help uh, people understand their strengths, their challenges. Um, their enjoyment and interest levels, and it provides a roadmap of next steps to help people get to where they want to be. So the data that we're gathering actually helps to confirm what somebody already knows about themselves. And so when we're, we're measuring the strength of behavioral tendencies, which is actually your preference level for specific behavioral traits. And so from the one assessment that you experienced, um, we can generate a multitude of reports that enable you to explore your successes and challenges. And the reports describe your likely behavior based on your answers to the questionnaire. Okay, and so um, again, it provides people with insight to specific actionable behaviors that they can use to further their personal development. Um, and so that's really what the Harrison is. It's used globally. And uh, there are two theories behind the Harrison assessments. Uh, the first theory behind Harrison assessments that makes it unique is called the enjoyment performance theory. Okay. And the enjoyment performance theory suggests that when we enjoy a task, we do it more often. And when we do a behavior over and over, we have a tendency to get better at doing it. So we receive positive recognition and feedback. And that positive recognition and feedback increases our enjoyment of the behavior. So the cycle keeps repeating itself. And on the flip side, it also plays out for the things we don't enjoy. The things we don't enjoy, we have a tendency to avoid or procrastinate um, on those behaviors. And so we usually don't do them enough to get better or improve. And so in that particular case, the feedback could be negative, um, which would decrease our enjoyment or our preference for those behaviors. And so over time, those behaviors become a very low preference or tendency. So that's the enjoyment performance theory. It, it obviously it makes sense that if you enjoy something, you're going to do it over and over again. 
how can we you in that theory become more self-aware about what we're enjoying and what it's doing and how we can use that feeling or that psychology around the behind the enjoyment performance theory to enhance what our activities are. I mean, it seems like it might be intuitive in the sense that, okay, you're just going to do it. But like you, like you said, we're not really even going to necessarily acknowledge it. So I guess the question is how can we pause and acknowledge what we're doing well, and maybe even begin to ask questions about how we can do it better or seek to get feedback on how we can improve performance on the things we're already enjoying. Right, right. Well, the one of the reports that we have is called a Traits and Definitions Report, and the Harrison Assessment measures 175 different traits. So it actually, this particular report, um, stack ranks in order the things that that from the smart questionnaire that somebody's gone through, what you have indicated are in fact your preferences and the things that you do enjoy. So by looking at that and understanding these are the things that I really enjoy and these are the things that I don't enjoy so much, it's about taking a look inside and saying, okay, when do I, when do I use that trait? Um, when do I not use that trait? Do I need that trait? Because part of it is, is understanding in a particular role or a, a particular career, you know, every role needs different traits. Okay, so you may not need some of the ones that you actually don't enjoy. Um, and if, in fact, you do need the ones that you don't enjoy, then it's time to take a look inside and figure out a way to develop those. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, for example, you know, you and I were talking. I'm, I obviously enjoy experimentation and innovation. So maybe you can kind of highlight some of the traits and definitions that I enjoy and do well. And then we can dive into the paradox theory after that, which kind of talks about how some of our strengths can actually become so strong that they that the inverse cause a very strong reaction. Right, right. Well, like, I mean, for instance, your, um, you know, your some of your strongest traits were takes initiative, authoritative, self-improvement, wants to lead, wants autonomy, um, helpful, cause motivated, experimenting, um, self-motivated, enthusiastic, your warmth and empathy. These are all strengths of yours. Um, and these are all things that you indicated from the assessment as to things that you absolutely enjoy. Um, and so when we think about that and taking a look at some of those top traits, I mean, do those resonate with you and what you do every day? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those those speak to the core of who I am. Right. And so and then if we look at the flip side, you know, if, you know, if it's OK with you, I'll tell you what you, you know, you prefer not to do, which was tolerance of structure, precise and organized. So does that resonate with you as things that you really don't enjoy doing? My my wife would agree. Okay. <laughs> <And so laughs> no, I, I also no. I mean, I, I, you know, I tolerance of structure. What was the, the other one? Precise and organized. Precise and organized. Yeah, you know, the, I mean, definitely I don't place a huge value on organized. I'm definitely not the most organized person. I don't think that precise is super necessary. I follow the 80% rule, which is if, if it's 80%. Uh, done. It's it's good to roll out, and we can continue to reiterate um, from there. Or you know, because going back to the whole George Patton quote that the a good plan executed violently is better than a perfect plan never executed. Absolutely. And and uh, and so that's why I think that precision is. I, I kind of am resistant to it, and maybe perhaps it's my understanding of what of precision and what that means to me. Right. That shapes my response to that, but definitely 
structure. I prefer prefer a certain amount of fluidity. I pr- uh, prefer to take action and not wait for things to be perfect. And I, I definitely am not the most organized person. <laughs> and that's okay. It doesn't mean that you wouldn't be good at it. It means that you're not, that's not something that you absolutely enjoy. So the question becomes, do we need to uh, be in whatever we're doing on a daily basis? Do we need to call on those behaviors? If we don't, then we don't. But obviously, if we can call on our behaviors that are uh, that are our strengths and the things that we enjoy most, then we're going to feel more self-satisfied and more successful in what we're doing. So I guess the, the, the question as it relates to this particular thing is, is there are moments in both of the businesses that I run where I definitely need to call on structure and precision and organization. And so how would I go about developing those things? Well, there's a number of ways to go about developing, you know, different behavioral traits. We actually have development reports for almost all of our traits um, available that can give you guidance. Um, I think I had passed on one of those uh, development reports over to you on Analyze's pitfalls. Um, So there's definitely, you know, information that we can provide to you. Obviously, there are also, you know, with the Internet today and with all of the books that have been written, if there's something you really want to work on, you take the time to research it. You know, I mean, you could probably buy thousands of books on how to become more organized. So, you know what I mean? So there's a number of different ways. I mean, we can be helpful, you know, reaching out to mentors, having conversations, asking people uh, and, and continuing to do research. So if it's something we want to work on, we find a way. And, you know, the, as you're saying this, I, I also another way is is to delegate those those uh, flaws or weaknesses to people who's who have those as strengths. And, and I have done that in both the businesses that I'm, that I'm running where I have an operations person. I have someone who is very, their attention to detail is second to none. And she is also very organized and loves to be organized and, and put systems in place. And she also happens to be my wife well, there you go. <laughs> and the director of operations for our, for our primary company. So it's a win, win, win for me. But I think that it's a really important Thing to double down and understand what you do well and how those behaviors make up who you are, but also to understand traits that where you're weaker in and then moving into the, the second kind of leg of the stool behind the Harrison report, you can really begin to take it to the next level where you understand how your strengths can actually become so strong that they could have a an ugly alter ego, so to speak, that can really mess you up. Is that, is that kind of a correct way of saying it? (laughs) We call them derailers. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Before we jump into derailers, can I take you back to one, one, just wanted to touch on something that you mentioned. You're speaking of your wife who, who is persistent and who, who is organized. Now, had it not been your wife and you were looking to hire somebody Okay, that you needed um, to be able to work with. If you had had the data on that person that I provided to you and you were able to understand their level of organized and precise so that you could delegate, how valuable would that be information be to you prior to making that hire? Oh, incredibly valuable. I mean, it would filter out the the uh, the pool significantly because there are people that um, say one thing and act another. Uh, and, and to be able to kind of suss that out even before you have an, 
in-person meeting would be incredibly valuable, not only from a, a time point of view, but just from an energy point of view. Okay. Well, I just, I wanted to, to point that out just because obviously if you understand and you're self-aware of yourself, especially when you're looking to hire or partner with somebody by understanding them as well, you can always take, be able to take a look and see where is there a good match? Because we all know the cost of a bad match. <laughs> yes, we do. A, a bad match can cost tens of thousands of dollars. We've personally experienced the pain of that in our in our wealth management practice, and um, and definitely want to avoid that kind of a mistake at all costs. But I want to give the listeners. I want, let's let's get to the juicy bits. Everybody wants to know, like, what's wrong with Mike Flynn? You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am not a judge. I'm just a tour guide, Mike. <laughs> but sure, so, we can yeah, jump give, in there. Give everybody, take everybody in on the adventure. All right, so why don't we jump brain. into paradox theory? How's that? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. All right, so the paradox theory was developed by Dan Harrison, um, and it's a, an extension of the psychological opposite theories um, explained by Carl Jung. Uh, and what it does is it helps us to identify our genuine and unique strengths, as well as identify our strong traits that may not be our strengths, um, that may hinder our success. They're derailers, as we spoke of. Okay, and so paradox, paradoxical traits may seem to be opposite or contradictory, but in fact, they are complementary and synergistic. And so according to the paradox theory, a trait can either be constructive or destructive, depending upon the other complementary traits. So the easiest example is um, when frankness is complemented by diplomacy, it takes the constructive form of being forthright and truthful. However, without the complementary trait of diplomacy, frankness can become bluntness. So while frankness and diplomacy appear to be contradictory, they paradoxically coexist, they complement and they fulfill each other. Um, and so that's how the paradox theory um, works. And, and Her Dan Harrison has identified 12 sets of paradoxical behaviors. And within each paradox, there's a degree of balance or out of balance. And that balance or out of balance can be very predictive and revealing about our behavior. Uh, and so when we look at each of these paradoxes, each paradox consists of a dynamic trait and a gentle trait. And, the, and when we look at the paradox, which obviously we don't have a visual in front of us, but you were able to see yours, um, on each of the paradoxes, there is an intersection of the two traits for each paradox, and that represents somebody's normal range of behavior. Okay, and so when we're looking at that, we're able to actually see the behavior um, within the paradoxes of what we can expect. Um, from somebody. Um, and in addition to the, the typical behavior that we can see, there's also, we're also able to see what, um, what psychologists have known for years that under situational stress, people who don't have adaptable behavior choices can experience emotional flips. Um, and when they do have emotional flips, we're seeing the inappropriate and out of context behavior, um, usually when our emotions will dictate our behavior. And typically when that happens, we want to do over. This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group, a full-service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more. Based in Oklahoma, they work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www.lawtonmg.com or call them at 580-275-2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. 
Just tell them the impact entrepreneur told you to call. Can we back up for a second? Because I want I want to give people kind of a visual of this of these four quadrants. So so if you imagine listeners that you've got like a crosshairs and then on that crosshairs has four boxes and on the upper left quadrant, you have aggressive imbalance on the upper right quadrant. You have balanced versatility on the bottom right quadrant. You have passive imbalance and on the left bottom, you have balanced deficiency and the horizontal axis axis is gentle trait. And the vertical axis is is dynamic trait. So that's the scale. And I'd love, I actually just had this thought, okay, since we were talking about diplomacy and frankness and how they can either, they could be complementary traits. I'd love to take, before we dive into Mike Flynn, I'd love to take two political figures that are very present in the media right now, regardless of one's political affiliations or whatever we can just, and, and even though we haven't necessarily analyzed them on the, the Harrison assessment, but let's take Donald Trump and, and Kim Jong-un or uh, the, you know, the dictator in Korea. And, and obviously let's talk about, their paradox as it relates to diplomacy and and frankness and how the if if they worked in conjunction with each other how the tone might change well when we're when you say working in conjunction with each other now we're talking about you know understanding so so in your opinion okay would you just how would you describe each of these people would you say they're blunt they avoid communication they're forthright diplomacy or they're evasive uh, they're they're definitely blunt. <laughs> Both <Okay>. of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so they're blunt. So obviously, when we when we look at blunt, our blunt quadrant is actually in the upper left hand quadrant of that particular paradox, which is our communication paradox. Okay, which is a very very important uh, paradox for everybody, obviously. Um, but so because of that, they are both aggressive. Okay, in and have high scores in frank. Okay, and because of that, they both end up being blunt. Okay, now if in fact they both were were calling on the other trait of diplomacy, then chances are they would have much better communication. Okay, because ideally we all want to be in that upper right hand quadrant. Now most people have five to nine out of balance paradoxes. This is a again, it's a journey. You've got to work on this. Um, and so ideally, we would love to be in, in the in the forthright diplomacy for both of these people where they have a tendency to be forthright and respectful at the same time. Yeah, that that's definitely the desired trait, especially for, you know, a, a, a country such as the U.S. And, and uh, you know, not to get political, but like just in general, from a human relations point of view, when you are dealing with other human beings, you you want to hopefully have a leader that that has that forthright diplomacy kind of diplomatic approach but it doesn't always happen as we've seen and so how can a an employee or a stakeholder who is not necessarily in a leadership position respond or work around or with someone who operates in that you know imbalanced manner Right. Well, you need somebody to diffuse the situation. Um, you know, when we're talking about leaders of the world, we choose them 
And obviously, if we choose somebody that that ha- can communicate in that forthright diplomacy, then we're we're going to get farther faster. Okay, rather than spending time diffusing situations. But in in a situation, and and you know, even let's step away from politics for a minute. But if in fact we were um, dealing with an employee here that was blunt all of the time. Okay, then and the question is, is is whoever they're reporting to or they're working with, can they handle that bluntness? Right. If they can't handle the bluntness, then there's going to be a mismatch. Okay, so either the, the, the individual needs to be aware of how their bluntness impacts others. What seems interesting about this, these two particular characters is that it, it seems like this this imbalance is, is going on 24 seven, you know, like there's no, it's just who they are as, as, you know, as opposed to other people where they flip to that imbalance under stress. This, in this case, it just seems like, you know, if we're talking about Donald Trump, since he's our president, it just seems like he is, you know, spewing bluntness for better or for worse all the time. And it would it would strike me as very challenging to be like, for example, I could not work for him or with him. Like, I just wouldn't have the ability. I wouldn't I wouldn't even tolerate it, you know, and, and it's not to say that, you know, that I'm a Hillary Clinton fan or anything like that, not to get political. But like, you know, it's just that regardless of whether it's the president or your boss or yourself, you it's it's really speaks to the power of a tool such as the Harrison assessment and how it can apply at all levels of leadership, whether it's, you know, the, the, your a thousandth employee or the CEO or the president of the United States and how, you know, this should be kind of a, a milestone that every leader should be required to take before they accept the job. So moving away from the political world back to little old me. <laughs> okay. You know, I'd love to. That's more interesting to me, my view. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was just interesting. You know, let's. I I don't talk about current events very much, and since there's all this stuff going on, I figured I'd. uh, And and we talked about frankness and and diplomacy. I thought I'd try to get your insight on on how the the paradox of that. But so. Well, unfortunately, both of the leaders that you're talking about are choosing the behavior of bluntness. Right. Yeah. Okay, and they're not, and they're not making a choice to be able to 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 choose from the two behaviors in the paradox, which goes back to how frank and diplomatic appear to be contradictory. But imagine if both of them added a little bit of diplomacy in their in, in their communications. Absolutely, things would go a lot better. Different outlooks. So oh. so let's 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 go back to me um, because that is definitely more interesting. I'm I'm more interested in in learning about myself anyway, as we all are. We all like to hear the sound of our own voice. So um, I'd like to understand better how I can leverage or develop or shape the paradoxes of some of my strengths. Okay. If I'm even describing them, uh, describing it that way. So maybe you could, you know, give a little insight into some of the, the key things that, that uh, we talked about off mic, such as persistence and analyzes pitfalls. Right. Yes. Um, I mean, you know, when I think about some of your strengths and the information that, that, that I looked at, and when I'm looking at the paradox, you know, some of your strengths, open, reflective, um, risking, self-improvement, self-motivated, 
Um, you know, these are all strengths, your warmth and empathy and your experimenting, collaborative, uh, authoritative, helpful, and list cooperation. Those are some of your strengths. So, so maybe you can tell me how you see that those strengths benefit others around you. I am not only focused on helping myself achieve new levels of success and development, whether it's at the gym or in business or in my own spiritual life or the way I relate to others, but I'm very attuned to the desire to help others achieve the same results that I'm seeking because I believe that, that if we all are moving in that direction, that it, it's going to benefit everybody. And, and that's one of the reasons why I've developed the four pillars of peak performance, which is position, engagement, action, and kinetic. And I talk about position and underneath position, being properly positioned for peak performance, there's six things that people need to focus on, and that's faith, family, fitness, friends, finances, and fun. Those are all things that require collaboration. They require a vision. They require having a high emotional EQ. And I, and I think that I definitely have a high emotional EQ, uh, quote, because I am an emotional person. I, I'm very sensitive. I respond to things in a pretty strong way. I'm trying I over the years I've definitely been able to develop a kind of uh constraints around my reactions um and and necessarily pause between the the stimulus and the the response to quote Victor Frankel. Those are definitely skills that I've worked on. Some of them have been easier to develop than others and some I haven't had to really work on it all, but I just get energized by those things. Those things pump me up and they keep me going and and I'll I'll do work practically for free when those kinds of strengths are being tapped. Right, right. Exactly. So you are you're using these strengths and you're seeing how they benefit others. Yeah, and it's a huge reward. Which is fantastic. And and you know, and you mentioned something about um, you know, you're you're a sensitive guy and things like that. So so let's go from there and let's talk about one of your paradoxes that is completely in balance, where you end up in that balance versatility um, quadrant. And that's what we call our driving paradox. Um, and the driving paradox, the way that we describe that is how you manage rapport and empathy when managing the performance of others. And so the two traits that make up the driving paradox, the enforcing trait is our dynamic trait. And it is, it's called enforcing. And we describe enforcing as the tendency to insist upon necessary rules being followed. And the gentle trait on this particular paradox is warmth and empathy. And warmth and empathy is a tendency to express positive feelings and affinity towards others. So you have um, both of these traits to be able to call on. You can be warmth and empathetic, and you can also be enforcing, which puts you into the, the balanced versatility quadrant. And we call that quadrant compass, compassionate enforcing, which is the tendency to enforce necessary rules with compassion. Um, so if we think about that, you're in, you're in, in perfect balance there. Okay. Um, and you understand that that you can call upon both of those traits. Okay. So if we if we thought about that in a different way and said, okay, Mike, what happens if my my warmth and empathy was really, really low, but yet my enforcing was still strong? It would put you in a harsh quadrant. So think about how when we talk about how you manage rapport and empathy when working with others, would you rather be compassionate and forcing or would you rather be harsh? Yeah, no, I definitely would rather be compassionate 
enforcing and it's it's a way where you could still get your message across when you need to but do it in a way that builds the other person up and i and I, of course like every human being i definitely am perfectly imperfect and occasionally i can be harsh but the thing about the thing about me when i when i am harsh man do i feel super guilty after like like and i i have to immediately apologize and it usually comes from a place of where I've been ex- under extreme pressure and somebody doesn't do something that I, I need them to, that I was depending upon them for. And usually it's because I'm under a time crunch, a deadline. And usually it's I'm under a time crunch or a deadline because I've procrastinated. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. But I mean, imagine the, the difference of the impact, as you said, because you can choose from enforcing and warmth and empathy, when you are completely enforcing and not using that warmth and empathy and you come across as harsh, you still apologize. You bring that warmth and empathy back out, okay? So the impact on that person from the harshness they've experienced has now been subdued a little bit because you brought the warmth and empathy out. Mm, Fascinating, fascinating. Whereas somebody else, if they just have harsh and they don't have that choice of warmth and empathy because they don't pay attention to understand they need both, then the the impact they had on that person was just harsh. This is this is so fascinating to me, and I, I hope it's uh, intriguing to other people to kind of understand how I'm wired and maybe begin to pique their interest to learn how they they are wired as well. What's another area? Maybe maybe uh, pick a paradox where I'm not necessarily balanced. Okay, why don't we look at your um, your innovation paradox, actually, because that actually shows us some of your stress behaviors um, and your emotional flips that we're talking about. So if we were to look at your innovation paradox, um, the innovation paradox, the way we describe that is how you approach trying new things and overcoming obstacles. Okay. And the two traits that make up the innovation paradox is are persistent. And that is our, um, that is our dynamic trait, persistent, which is the tendency to be tenacious despite encountering significant obstacles, okay? Um, The gentle trait is experimenting, which is the tendency to try new things and new ways of doing things. Now, while it appears that you are in balance on this because you have a high score in experimenting and a mid to high score in persistent, okay, because of your, your medium stress management score, you actually have a flip, a behavioral emotional flip in this particular paradox. And what that's showing is, is that the difference between the scores on persistent and experimenting, um, the, the range between those scores is indicating, and it doesn't, it's, it's indicating that you may have a behavioral flip and it tells us what that will look like. So if you stayed in the balanced versatility quadrant here, which is your typical range of behavior, which is inventive, which would be the tendency to experiment with different ways of doing something while at the same time maintaining focus on the desired objective or result under stress, okay, you may flip to stubborn persistence, okay? And the stubborn persistence is the tendency to be tenaciously to tenaciously pursue the same course of action without experimenting with different ways of accomplishing the the um, the, the objective? Because what happens is is that you're you're so high in experimenting that all of a sudden you flip to become stubborn persistence. So I for, I, I forget about the whole experimentation thing and why that works well and under pressure. I become closed-minded to to a certain degree on, on to, on to, to change. 
Well, I wouldn't say that it's closed minded because I don't think that closed minded. Um, I mean, personally, I don't I think that that experimenting is not non-experimental is not being closed minded, in my opinion. I think that, you know, some people are, 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 are always experimenting and finding different ways to do things. That's who you are. That's what you do all the time. And you are persistent. But sometimes you experiment so much that all of a sudden you just flip and you're like, all right, I'm done with this. Mm. Mm, interesting. No, that 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 is very true. That is true. And and I am becoming more aware of this. And one of the ways where this has hit has inhibited my success, where I've where I've fallen into that stubborn persistence category has to do with lack of communication. So, you know, when I'm when things are going really well and I'm in I'm feeling it and I'm I've got the momentum, I've got the 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 action behind me and people uh, supporting me, you know, no problem communicating. But when I hit against resistance, and if that, depending on the length and type or whatever that resistance is, the the less and less likely I am to communicate. Does that make sense? Yes, it absolutely does. And I mean, you know, we can look at your communication paradox, which is is out of balance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you want to go there today, Mike. Let's do it. Lisa, tune into this one. <laughs> All right, so let's jump into your communication. Your communication paradox actually does not show any um, potential emotional flips, um, but it does show that you're you're out of balance. Um, you've got a very low score on Frank, um, and Frank is our again our dynamic trait, and we describe Frank as the tendency to be straightforward, direct to the point, and forthright. Obviously, we went through this a little bit talking about it earlier. Diplomatic is the tendency to state things in a tactful manner. Now, you have low scores on both of those. OK, so it puts you into the bottom left hand quadrant um, and, and that bottom left hand quadrant we call avoids communication. So this is the tendency to lack frankness as well as diplomacy. So think about your communication. And as you know, you just pulled us back from, you know, you're experimenting and then you don't communicate. Communication is, is, is key. And at the moment, even though you have low scores on both of them, OK, you you still you're kind of even on both of them. So ideally, what we would look at as we as we looked at your your paradox report is we would say, you know, we would start to talk about, Michael, how important is communication in what you do every day? How important is it in your personal life, in your professional life? Um, where do you find that your avoiding communication causes causes issues um, in what you do every day? And think about how things could be different if we were to take the frank and the diplomatic trait and begin to work on those. Mm. You know, this is fascinating because I, I, as you're talking about this, I wrote down, I care too much about what others think. Okay. The interpretation behind that as it relates to this paradox is that on the one hand, I, I really don't want to inconvenience people. I don't want to tell them they're doing something wrong or, or criticize them necessarily. I, I, that's not something I necessarily enjoy. And on the other side of things, I don't necessarily want people to know when I'm struggling. I don't, I have a hard time sharing when I'm, when I myself am battling with uh, self-esteem or battling with failure or, or lack of progress. And so I end up being quiet, which, you know, that is, that is something I, I too am also becoming more self-aware about over the last, you know, two years in particular, since I launched this podcast, it's, it's definitely an area of, of weakness for myself because, you know, communication is, is everything. And the more you can communicate 
the faster you can get to results and especially the faster you can get out of problems because that goes to the whole kinetic aspect of the um the peak the four pillars of peak performance kinetic is speaks to the fact that we can you know we can be successful by ourselves but only to a certain degree and as soon as we involve other people we can accelerate our success and accelerate getting ourselves out of sticky situations correct <laughs> this is incredibly fascinating i interviewed a guy named mike dillard uh, who is a very successful entrepreneur out of Austin, Texas, runs a couple of eight-figure businesses. And, um, you know, he was really struggling with finding his path until he began to understand how he was wired, and he put it, how he was manufactured, how his brain was manufactured. And then he doubled down on those strengths and became, you know, incredibly uh, talented copywriter and internet marketer. And I think that really it's one of the first steps to it precedes taking action even is, is really taking time to understand what you are capable of achieving by understanding how you're wired. Are there any other key takeaways uh, from the Harrison assessment, the, the paradox uh, for me and for our audience? Um, well, we can keep going on your paradox, but <laughs> I think I think the key takeaway really is is that is that we all have an opportunity to to be able to look inside of ourselves, become self aware, and and as you said, you know, writing your story. Um, you know, what is the script? It, it, just because our script is what it is today, if we actually take the time to look inside and and see how we are wired and understand that and decide what we want that script to be, who do we want to be? Um, because again, you know, like I said earlier, this is not, uh, personality doesn't change. Behavior does, but we have to be aware of it and we have to choose to adapt and behave differently. And when we do, we can really understand how our, our behavior impacts us and how it impacts others. Yeah, that is incredibly powerful and a very important point that you make because just because we are thinking one way or acting one way and that's, you know, shaping our narrative, our script doesn't mean that it always has to be that way. And it reminds me of another thing that we we had talked about that we I don't think we really covered uh, in our conversation thus far on analyzing pitfalls and some of the questions that those of us who you know, we're analyzing pitfalls. Is it necessarily a strength can ask ourselves or, or others can ask us to help us along that way. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that and the steps that one can take to reshape and mold the narrative. Uh, well, I think that, the, you know, everybody's going to have different um, areas that they want to work on. Um, and so, you know, what the analyzes pitfalls, analyzes pitfalls is the tendency to scrutinize potential difficulties uh, related to a, a plan or a strategy. OK, and so like when we talk about you with analyzing pitfalls, um, you know, your risking score is high. Um, and so those are actually the two the two um, traits that make up the strategic paradox. And so by working on um, your analyzing pitfalls area, um, you can put yourself in a, in a better strategic because what we're talking about in the strategic paradox is how you strategically manage risk. OK, so because you're risking it is quite high and your analyzes pitfalls is, is you know, not that high um, and you have an, an emotional flip in this one where you actually go from being, you know, in between mindful courage and impulsive and you'll flip under stress to cautious. 
Um, and so, th- so the idea here is, is that how can you continue to be risking, okay, but at the same time work a little harder and understand how you can better analyze pitfalls? Because if you think about, and, and, and you have to also understand that the way the paradox is, you have to really think about how it applies to what you do, okay? So if in your line of work, risking is, is a good thing, Okay, then it doesn't mean you shouldn't continue to analyze pitfalls. But in some areas of work, risking can be good and risking can be bad. Um, And so you have to be able to really, um, you know, the Harrison assessments is actually job specific um, and it does help us predict behavior in specific jobs as well as everything else that it does, which what we're talking about here and in kind of our self-awareness journey. Um, And so you have to take into consideration when you look at this and you're looking at yourself is, again, what do I need to be able to call on? You know, this has been an incredibly interesting and very intriguing conversation, and I really hope people um, connect with you and and reach out to discover how they might use the Harrison assessment. With that in mind, maybe you could take a minute before we close out with a few final questions to share how people can connect with you. Well, people can certainly reach out to me directly. You can reach me uh, on my phone at 404-931-1532. Um, can also be reached by email at julie, J-U-L-I-E, at peak, P-E-A-K, focus, F-O-C-U-S, coach, C-O-A-C-H dot com. Um, and uh, I'd be happy to help you. We can work with individuals and help take them on their self-awareness journey. We can work with, uh, you know, corporate entities and help them from, a, you know, a talent acquisition um, and selection, recruitment, development, uh, succession planning, career planning. Uh, so uh, it, it's, a, it's an amazing assessment that uh, touches all different areas of the talent lifecycle. Um, and we'd love to be able to help you guys. One of the things I'd love to include in the show notes, Julie, is the is the 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 narrative, the um, the Harrison trait development tool for analyzes pitfalls. Uh, would that be OK with you? Uh, well, I th- yes, you can. It's your, it's yours. So it's right. You know, it's a, it's not necessarily a, just a- it would be a good. Yeah. Just to get I want to give people an example of what what some of the questions if they if they're if somebody has given them feedback that they suck at analyzing pitfalls. What are some questions and tools and tactics they can use to to develop that skill better? Um, because anything worth doing that and that's going to be successful in the long run requires work and effort. Nothing, nothing like that. It's like developing a muscle. You got to go to the gym. You got to put in the work. You got to develop a plan and, and begin to take action and and build a community of people around you to help support you along the way. The last three questions are kind of fun. <laughs> One, well, technically, one is only fun, and and two are are more thought provoking. And the first question is: if you could pick any skill set that you currently possess and turn it into a superpower, what would it be? Interesting. So not like not like you know reading a mind or something like that, but a skill set that you actually currently possess that, if turned into a superpower, could make you even more effective? I would probably say my innovation. I would say innovation because it's who I am to the core. Um, I love to build things. I love to experiment. I'm absolutely persistent. Um, And I guess, you know, the the extent that that happens, it it certainly does cause me um, (laughs) pain along the way sometimes. But if I could turn it into a superpower and be able to harness my innovation 
um, I, I think that uh, that would just be phenomenal. If you could innovate anything, what would it be? I think it would actually be exactly what I'm doing, which is trying to help people, but do it on a much larger scale. Mm, I love it. I love it. What are three lies people tell themselves that prevent them from realizing their full potential? I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. Three lies. Or I am good enough for that impact. (laughs) It goes both ways. Mm. I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Ask me that question again. What are three lies people tell them that, that keeps them from realizing their full potential? I'm good enough the way I am. You know, I don't, I don't know that I can answer that question, Mike. Well, I, I, you, you already got two. The first is, the first is uh, I'm not good enough. The second is I am good enough. Right. Those are the two I said. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which I think are, are true because, you know, they are paradoxical, but like, you know, they, they, they definitely are true. And if I could just plug a third one for you, that third one would be that I can't improve. You're exactly correct. Yes. Okay. I guess I tied that into I am good enough. I'm not good enough. But yes. Yeah. Our self-improvement. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I think that those are definitely three lies that we all grapple with on a daily basis that, that prevent us from, from realizing our full potential. And the final question is... How will Julie Schur measure her life? It comes from the title of a book called How Will You Measure Life? So that is the question. How will I measure my life? Isn't it that dash? Ooh, I like that. <laughs> Talk a little bit more about that for people that don't know what the dash is. Well, I guess the, the dash is, a, is on your tombstone, right? Um, the dash between, you know, it's your journey. I mean, it is absolutely your journey. I don't think that, um, you know, my, my self-improvement is, is very high and my self-acceptance is fairly low because I'm an overachiever and I, I always will be. Um, I think that, uh, you know, how I'm going to measure it, it's probably how many lives I can touch and how many people I can help. Mm-hmm. I love it. Julie, thank you so much for joining us on the Impact Entrepreneur Show. I hope the audience uh, has uh, been fascinated by this conversation as much as I have. I'm super into this kind of stuff. And I hope it's helpful to, to people. And I do hope that they reach out to you to learn more about how the Harrison assessment can aid them in their entrepreneurial endeavors, whether it be for themselves or their employees or people that they're hiring. Fantastic. And thanks again for having me, Mike. I really enjoyed our conversation. Absolutely. If you want to have a game-changing impact in the lives of others, then I would love for you to jump over to the impactentrepreneur.net forward slash join to join the movement to help me in my mission to help others have an encounter with their greatness, with their potential. And thank you to those of you who have already signed up and taken advantage of some of the great rewards and benefits of being a patron of the Impact Entrepreneur Show, a now listener-supported show. Julie, thank you for joining us on the Impact Entrepreneur Show, sharing your story and breaking down the Harrison Assessment. Such a fascinating tool. I hope that people do reach out to you. I hope that people actually reach out and take the assessment and begin to understand how they were manufactured, how they are wired, and how they can actually take some of their potential weaknesses and turn them into strengths that can take them, their career, their potential, their greatness to the next level. Thank you again. If you missed any of the key points, we've got you covered. 
Head over to theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash 80 for all of the highlights. And while you're there, click on the links to check out the Lawton Marketing Group and the Podcast Masters. We could not do this show without them. Now, until next time, you know what to do. Go make an impact. Thank you.